Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. friends and listeners and welcome to episode number 24 of season 8 of the Thoth Hermes podcast and those of you who know the Thoth Hermes podcast a bit better they know that 24 is the magical limit so yes that's the season finale it is the final episode of this season 8 and it's my great pleasure here on this August the 21st to welcome all of you to this show here today. Yes, and um, the show is subtitled Once in Five Years. You will find out why in a moment. Um, I'm very happy to have you all back here in the show. Those who know, as I said, the Thoughts Hermes podcast rather well. But of course, I'm just as happy, maybe even a little happier that you have come for the first time. It's new people coming and joining us every week. So that's really great. Thank you for coming and joining us. And old and new, do not forget that we have a great website. The website thoughthermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com, which is at your service and which brings you different possibilities. First of all, most importantly of all, of course, is the possibility to see and now to listen to all the episodes there and to see all the show notes because there is always explanations links photos book uh, cover photos so that you can identify the books we're talking about there's lots of information that you should look up and uh to tell you more about what you get in the interview and then of course there is also the feedback possibility on that homepage. On that homepage, you can send me either an email, there is an email button, but you can also use the direct mail. There is a contact page where you can send directly a message, type it on the website and send it off to me. And uh, well, there is of course also the possibility of voicemail that you can use a voicemail for free, which then will arrive on my desk and There is always possibilities to go on Facebook or Twitter and use those channels to communicate with me. Me, that's Rudolf. I am your host. And it's, as always, that great pleasure to do that show for you. Um, And we will, of course, not end after season eight. Season nine will start in two weeks with its new first show. And uh, I hope I will bring you another 24 or so nice episodes. Actually, it was 26 this time, even though the number is 24, but we had those two special episodes in season eight because of our fifth anniversary. Remember in April, the Thought Hermes podcast had its fifth anniversary. And uh, for that occasion in that week, in the anniversary week, we did Not only the Sunday shows, but two additional shows on Wednesday and Friday that very week. 
Uh, it was quite a special moment. So we had actually 26 episodes. It's almost 140 available online now. That's quite amazing. And when you take the list of the names of the people you see there, that's quite a bunch of important people here. Authors, occultists, magicians, everything. I mean, from every generation. Yes, I'm happy and a little proud of it. Right. Um, what did I miss? Well, yes, I know, I know, I know. You know that I'm going to ask you to become a patron. Right. Yes, please do so. First of all, thanks to those who are patrons already, who every week contribute by their patronage to the sustainability and the maintenance of this podcast. We need more of you, please. It's important, uh, unfortunately, for all of us, the costs go up. They do go up. I know it's true for you in your private and personal life all days as well. One dollar per week would be nice, though, to give to this show if you like it, if you like the show and would like to see it flourish and continue and prosper. It's not for me. I am having a, a nice job and I earn my money there is just to maintain the costs to make the show, right? Okay, so as always, there is music in this show, of course. And well, let's just kick it off with the first piece of music as always, and I hope you will enjoy.
All right. We just uh, listened to Edward Elgar Nimrod from Enigma Variations, conducted by Leonard Bernstein. Uh, now you might be surprised why you are listening to my voice, Carl Abrahamson's voice, and not Rudolf's voice. Where is Rudolf? Well, Rudolf is here, but we have switched places, and I am here tonight to interview Rudolf about his massive and important work with uh, Thoth Hermes and the podcast and everything else. So very welcome to a special episode of the podcast uh, hosted by me, Carl Abramson, but focusing solely on the work of Rudolf. Very welcome. Here comes the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to quite a different setup this evening. Uh, as you can see, it's me, Carl Abramson, talking and not Rudolf yet. Uh, I have not hijacked the program uh, or the, the, this evening. Uh, I have been invited to host this um, and to interview Rudolf after all his uh, wonderful uh, hard labor uh, with the podcast with Toth Hermes. There's so much to talk about. Uh, you have made you know, created this academy of sorts uh, for a long time now, and so many episodes, all very substantial with interesting people. So it's uh, absolutely fair that the focus should be on on uh, you this evening. And uh, I think that um, you know, uh, logically, and you know, it's always a good starting point to start at the very beginning. And I wonder where you got the idea from to to actually start the podcast. Well, well, first, thank you, Carl, for for having accepted to be the host today for yeah. this episode. Um, and uh, yes, well, some people have no quite a few people have asked me to to talk about me one day and I have hesitated for five and a half years <laughs> because that's when when it all started. But it started, as you just said, it started um, rather three or four years before actually the first episode because i don't know i got more and more interested into the world of the western esoteric tradition um i have been interested and active in that for man, i'm 62 now for almost 40 years i'm not one of those who started in kindergarten but uh in my early 20s and um, at some point, of course, then podcasts did not exist back then. And um, it was a completely different world 40 years ago. Um, but then the first podcast I listened to in that field was actually Occult of Personality, uh, Greg Kaminsky. And um, we all know Greg's podcast, I guess. And it's it's a great show. It's a, And he's a wonderful person. And he did that for, still does it for, I think, now, 15 years. Yeah. And another one, another one was um, um, Carol Poke Runyon, Poke Runyon, who is also a veteran of the podcast. Don't, I don't think many people know that. He has been doing that. I don't think he does it anymore, but he has done his podcast on the same topics also for ages. And I was often at night, I went to bed, I put my headphones in and I listened to those. And sometimes I said, hmm, this is all very North American and it's great. I'd like to do a European perspective. Actually, that was the initial idea. And, uh, but it took me time, of course, I had to learn about podcasting. Then I, 
I opened the Facebook page about a year and a half before the first episode because I needed to find also the audience. I, I, I mean, I knew nobody basically except for five or six people around myself. And um, actually, uh, that created quite a nice community. I'm very proud of that community. And at some point, Greg, um, uh, I can say that because he said it very clearly back then, about six and a half, seven years ago, he fell rather ill. And he had uh, some problems continuing the podcast because it was a, a workload that was too heavy at that time. And I, I contacted him and said, look, I'm planning to do my podcast as well. But uh, so I, I don't want to give you bad feelings. I say that right from the beginning. But if you need help, I'm happy to do the cutting. I will learn lots from you and uh, do the cutting of the sound files, etc. And I started doing that. And after three or four shows, he said, well, why don't you be my co-host? And so I, I started in the podcast world actively, so to speak, as Greg Kaminsky's co-host. And that was lovely, a lovely the experience and to learn from him, but also to, to just be with him. He's still a good friend and, and we have regular contact. Yeah. And then at some point I felt, okay, I have to jump into the water. And that's what I did. And Alan Richardson, who I had not known at all, but I just picked him by looking around who could be the right person to start with. And he was the first. And in April 20th, I guess, 2017, I launched the Thought Service podcast. Mm. Yeah, no, that's an amazing five years. And I mean, uh, it's interesting also with uh, um, this kind of, well, it's, it's journal journalism in a way, how quickly it accumulates uh, and becomes a body in its own right, uh, mm. like a little library in a way. Uh, and and um, I'm thinking, um, I've been trying to you know, find something similar. And of course, there are podcasts of an esoteric nature or that thematically oh, yeah. talk about it, but uh, not quite in the same way. And I'm wondering from your perspective, now that you have, you know, five years down the line, what would you say that makes uh, Tothermis unique? <laughs> okay. Well, I can only say what I try to do that it makes it unique I, and hope that that will be also be resented like that on the other side. Um, first of all, some one thing that uh, I wanted to make it unique from uh, did not work, uh, but I don't mind. Uh, but it did not become the European thing, because uh, even though I have a lot of European guests like yourself, uh, mm -hmm. Carl, you were also twice on this show and 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 like many other European guests, um, that part has worked. I have a lot of European guests, but the audience is 85, 90 percent North American, which, right. which I find very interesting. I mean, I'm get me right. I, I'm very happy about that. But I, I uh, well, the UK is quite strong. Also, the Nordic countries also. But maybe the maybe the the, the language barrier is still within Europe bigger than you would expect. So that's the, that side. But on the other side, what I try to do is a mix between um, well-known names from that field, uh, uh, also good old names like uh, 
uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowitzki. I mean, she is kind of doyen of the field, and I was very, very happy and proud to have her. People like that, or Frater VD. I don't want to give too many names because other people will feel bad about it. Because there are so many good, good people I had here. But also to bring on, and that's something I've also done in my previous. Uh, and business all the time to bring on people who I think are interesting, who are younger, who have not yet that community and to bring them on, maybe not the first time, but in a very early stage and make them a bit better known. And I, I think that works. I think um, you have to balance because it's the, the, the well-known people who attract the audience and then the audience sticks and listens also to when they don't know the name. And that's, and that, that's nice that I really like that. And I see it in the figures. It works. And that makes me really happy. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very nice. Um, and I'm thinking, um, are there any um, people sort of of this older generation uh, that you have wanted to have on, but that hasn't happened because, you know, they didn't want to or simply because it hasn't happened yet? Are there those people that you would, would like to have on? I'm sure there are still people who I have not had because uh, it was not enough time in five and a half years. I did not do a weekly show in the beginning. That's only the last two years, basically. And um, so there are, I'm not running out of names, never. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes me glad. But also, yeah, there have been a couple of refusals, but I must say a very, very few very, very few. And um, even from the beginning, I mean, I, I mentioned Dolores, but she came on in, in season two at a very early stage. So I wasn't, I wasn't the Thought Service podcast uh, that it is today with anyway, people now know a bit about it, right? Or they can also, if they don't, they go and listen, have a choice of, of episodes to listen to, to, to make sure I'm doing my job well. Um, but um, of course, I... It's always hard to drop names. I don't want to to say who who refused because uh, I don't want to give any bad feelings. No. Um, um, and um, if I say names who I want on and others I don't, um, I'm I'm, as you say, this is a journalistic work, and um, you have to stay as neutral as possible and. I even tried in the interview, if possible. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, but it's it's um, uh, a w great wealth of material has accumulated, yeah. and it's kind of an eclectic mix too, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and uh, I think you're right in the sense that you know uh, there will always be people to interview. It's not a problem because you know young writers pop up, and you know there's some uh, oldie that you might not have caught yet but you will so or, or bring him back also because yeah, people write right. a new book or have new yeah. ideas absolutely yeah yeah, mm. no, yeah but but i think um, um how do you orient yourself how do you make the decisions is it mm. because someone uh, writes a new book and you see oh it's time for to, to catch that person or time to talk to that person again. Is it based on their work or are you actively pursuing someone who might have been silent for a while? Well, both, but um, I am, and once again, I'm not going to talk uh, about my, uh, my former uh, profession that I did for 40 years, but um, I acted in, in a similar way. Um, I, I'm the hunter. Um, and of course, now after 
some time when people have started to know your show, I get also proposals and I have a couple of, of, of um, publishing houses who also talk to me regularly. And But I feel completely free also refusing those proposals. So I, I, I've never ever felt, and I'm grateful to those publishers also, because I've never felt a pressure we have to take that person because I sent yeah. you the book or so you know it's it's really it's really people are very nice and very very grateful also to work with and um, but I do a lot of hunting mm -hmm. uh, um, so I'm a lot on the web or or, or on bookstores or also old books to, to find out about people and and um, I have well, they're not all esoteric books, but I have 3,000 volumes at home, like all mm. of us. I see your background yes. there. <laughs> um, we are all those book nerds. And of course, that teaches you a lot about it. And of course, I'm active myself in the field as well, not as a writer, but I mean, as an active esotericist. Um, and um, uh, I'm interested myself in many of those topics. Uh, and when I read something special and... You always detect new interesting things. It's amazing. Even during the interview, sometimes you, you suddenly realize, hey, that person, we talk about this, but I wasn't aware that he or she is also so educated in or active in that other field. Uh, so it's, it's really nice. It's each episode for me has become. Um, sounds like a cliche, but I learn at each episode. It's uh, it's it's fascinating to speak to those people, and I think I've even made some friends, and and that's that's nice. Mm. No, absolutely, and I think uh, that's the difference in this sphere that we're in, in sort of um, you know the online community or whatever mm. you want to call it, is that it's it's immediate and it's very easy to to build uh, you know networks and sort of synergetic effects. Whereas with books, it's much more laborious and takes time. Of course, uh, you absolutely. can still have a good network, but but this is so immediate, and I think that's why things that are great and intelligent and you know well made uh, can grow pretty quickly. Uh, in a short uh, period of time. There needs to be a buzz around it, but there won't be a buzz unless it's really good. So I think, I, th I think that's very, very interesting and true in your case also. Um, I, I wonder, um, uh, you say you learn things and uh, everyone who you know, spends time with Thoth Hermes and you know, listens to the different episodes, of course, learn a lot mm. because the... Uh, nature of the subject matter and what people are interested in is actually learning. It's sort of you call yes. it occult or esoteric, but it's still about actual things that can improve your life or make you go, oh, that's fantastic in terms of epiphanies. And, uh, and I'm thinking about it. You have even used the word yourself in a, in a different context, the academy. And I don't mean mm -hmm. the academy in the academic sense, but as a yeah. place where you collect learning simply uh, is that was that something that was conscious in you from the very beginning no no i don't think so um, um i i must say i'm very happy about that that it developed in that sense and i well hopefully also when i listen to my more recent interviews i think i it can be felt that i have more knowledge than I had five and a half years ago, not only on how I interview people, but also how I approach those people and how we discuss things. So, but I'm happy you're saying that, that this can be felt that this is, yes, 
we did an academy and you were part of that at some point, but um, that the whole project is a bit like a library. You see, you said that word and I like that because when you go on the website and have 140 episodes there by now, uh, roughly, um, and so many different approaches you can talk about left-hand pass you can see about the golden dawn you can you can talk about um, kabbalah or or tarot or whatever and and you have really many different schools of people there and i would like to come back to that word journalism that you said in the beginning and i really like that because um somehow to stay neutral and to I, I do not have to be in agreement with everything that my my guests say. Uh, um, I can't be because because there are so many different opinions. I would be lying if I were. But it's the place for them to express themselves, and it's my it's my part as an interviewer to to dig and to to make them say what is their what is their true approach to things. I hope that can be felt, but that at least is the the aim of what I want to achieve, and uh, um, that I think then creates that possibility of learning for myself and uh, hopefully also for the listeners. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, M most people uh, are very uh, used to the platform, meaning you know, uh, podcasting and listen while you go or drive your car, or uh, and it's really good. But haven't you ever? given thought to the fact that it could be great to actually turn these interviews in uh, into books <laughs> um yes i i i have been thinking of uh, um i've been thinking of that uh, for the moment so far the time i haven't had the time because transcribing even this if there is now software to do part of your job but of course the terminology that we use in our special occultist language is not in in the software <laughs> built in in the software um but thank you for reminding me of that idea uh, i'm not sure if not it wasn't even you yourself who already said that to me uh, a couple of probably years back. probably <laughs> um but i have to think about it again i i'm uh, yes well, I'm 62 now. I have three years to go before retirement. Maybe that's a job for retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe the AI software will be better by then. Also. Yes, exactly. What else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I think it's the same way. You know, you build um, an academy of sorts in that sense of anthologizing material. And I think that could be very, very worthwhile because... Um, it's uh, history writing and it's thematically poignant. You know, if people are interested in this and that, you could organize that thematically with, with the issues, yes. you know. Um, so I'm curious what what uh, Rudolf does when he's not working on the podcast, when he's <laughs> not online, if that happens sometime. Uh, it does happen uh, quite a lot, actually. Well, what do you want to know? Do you want to know now or what I did before? <laughs> uh, thinking more like now. How, yes. What do you do to, to, to relax and just stay uh, right. off, off screen? Well, uh, when, I, when I'm off screen, either I'm at work, at my, at my day job, of course, which I, I might mention because it's, it's nothing to do directly with this work, but it still has points where those things touch i'm i'm working as a funeral celebrant now for the last i've been working for the last five years in that field and so i'm 
uh, a bit the Anubis of Vienna <laughs> um, and uh, being the priest for those people who, who do not want a priest. So I always say it like that. So I'm, I'm trying to accompany um, funerals, but um, speech-wise, right, speaking, speaking there. Um, but apart from that, I'm, of course, myself also an active hermeticist, occultist. I, I'm practicing a lot. Um, I have uh, uh, been for, well, next March, it'll be 30 years that I have been a Freemason. Um, and But that was not even the very beginning of my occupation in the field. I, I started in the field um, with uh, uh, shamanism, actually, in the, in the very early years, and then anthroposophy uh, um, caught me, and um, at some point I became a Freemason. And already by saying that little listing of, of, of development, uh, you see that I'm also very eclectic with myself, and not only in the podcast. And that gave a complete image for me. Hermeticism is for me the word that I would use that I really practice a lot. I do an hour of ritual work and meditation every morning when I get up. I, I use also a lot of time reading, of course, in the field, but also developing rituals, translating them. And um, I'm more a solitary worker, to be honest, in that field. I, by necessity in the first place, because um, I don't know how it is in your area in Sweden, um, but I was surprised how little serious occultist groups uh, are around here in, in my area, in the, in, in around Vienna or that part of Europe. And I do not want to travel for hours to do that. I should be something you like to do and not, not you have to do. Mm. And so, but in the end, um, I must say, it's probably also my character. It comes quite well with my character. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'm better at working myself, except or when you need a group. There are cases where you need a group. Um, but um, I prefer mostly doing the, the occultist work uh, as a solitary. By its nature, you don't speak about it too much in detail because it's kind of like giving a spell away. Um, but um, so generally speaking, it is it is ceremonial, hermetic. Um, yes, that's mm -hmm. and of course my previous my previous uh, business, the theater, is playing a role um, maybe we can speak about that a bit later because music music and magic is for me something that goes very close together mm. and um, uh, so um, ceremonial magic and theater is of course something that is a bit related so probably that's part of my personality mm -hmm. absolutely i think it's a very interesting um it's not a dilemma, it's a, not a real dichotomy, but there is a kind of uh, uh, ambivalence in this relationship between occultism, which is a very complicated word, a phenomenon, oh, yes. uh, and this contemporary time that we're in, you know, uh, where um, in, uh, you've been doing this podcast for five years, and you have people talking about their personal practices and, you know, perhaps revealing things or at least being very, you know, frank and, and honest. Uh, so you have this desire in people who are occultists to talk about their occultism 
but perhaps it should be occult. But we're living in a contemporary time where it's already the, the rabbit is out of the hat or the cat yes. is out of the box, you know. Yes. So that creates a, a big change in, I would say, the um, well, contemporary psyche in a way where things become not uh, stigmatized at all, but rather encouraged as, you know, mind expanding or uh, consciousness boosting or, you know, all these things that can be market, uh, you know, marketed and, and sold in, in neat little packages. But it's still, I think, significant at this point where we're in this, you know, problematic time in the evolution mm. of the planet that all these things pop up because they need to, I think it's part Absolutely. of a kind of survival instinct yeah. of the planet. Okay. And, and there, I think your podcast is a great resource in that sense that you can find intelligent people talking about these very, very fascinating but often quite complex uh, subjects and areas. And I think that's, yeah. that's a very good thing. Um, yes, and that's why I also, well, you opened many doors for me here, if I may. Um, um, on the one hand, that how we both hesitate using the words, because sometimes I say esotericism, sometimes I say occultism, meaning basically the same thing. Um, I'd rather say esotericism, but then the word esotericism has been so much abused Uh, in, uh, in a very superficial way, you know, uh, being used for everything uh, that is not to me esotericism. That's why I prefer personally occultism, but it has that dark touch to it, which it doesn't, it doesn't have for me. So, so I'm hesitating with that. But, um, um, now, uh, Uh, you will probably see in season nine, I don't know if, if that episode will open season nine, but uh, that's a typical episode. It will maybe be episode two or maybe episode one of season nine, where I interview Stephen Harding. I don't, Stefan Harding. Um, I have done that interview already and he was working with James Lovelock, you know, on the Gaia uh, uh, principle. And um, so that's, that's very funny because, because Uh, absolutely, um, we, uh, oh, somebody sends us some, Im some, some talks here. That's nice. Um, that we have to, well, wait, why are we separating that? Is occultism not only for the private uh, seller, but it's, it's, it's something we need to do in the open. Uh, and, but exactly that goes in contrary with the word. You're absolutely right. So, um, Stefan Harding, of course, he works, uh, for the planet, for the climate, but in a way that uses alchemy. Uh, so, uh, you see th those fields in cross and, and I think it's important to show that. And also when you do ceremonial magic, if you do it in an order or even solitary, if you do it, for example, with a golden dawn uh, background, you will, uh, always work for the planet and not for yourself. That's the, mm -hmm. that's one of the, of the baselines of, of ceremonial magic in serious groups. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when when um, you talk to so many people and they're all very passionate about what they're doing and, and uh, eloquent and they have all this uh, knowledge, um, um, there's a risk, I guess, that it becomes like an intellectual pursuit. You, you, you look at it as knowledge in a way. But have you ever come across something during these five years, some episode, some person, some teaching that has made you go, epiphanic and say, wow, I really need to take this aside and integrate it and, and uh, that change your, your life in a way or oh, add yes. it to your oh, life. Yes, I, add it. Add it would be the right word. Yes, mm. but definitely, 
definitely. Even, even very recently, to be honest, I mean, well, I'm, I'm name dropping now, but, but why not? But um, um, Ian Rees, which was the, the, the last interview, I hadn't known him, honestly, right? I hadn't known him and because he just published his first book, even though he's about my age, uh, on, on Dion Fortune. And he also sent me a manuscript of a second book he will be publishing later this year. And I read that and I said, hey, um, that's great. That's about Kabbalah. But it, to me, it was a completely, it made so many things much clearer when I read that manuscript. Uh, and I hope it will be the same when other people read it in the fall. But um, yes, it, that, for example, added to my understanding. There are many other examples to that, but that's just the most recent that I have in mind. But um, it's it does happen. And that's the learning I enjoy most. It's you learn how to interview, but you learn content, you learn personal approach of things. And that's really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see we're, we're getting some messages here and I want to thank the uh, audience, you know, keep keep writing. And if you have any questions for Rudolf, uh, well, here comes one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, uh, have a question here from from sure. the audience. Do you think that there are other new continuous magic systems like Quarea uh, uh, after Golden Dawn, Thelema, um, Skitsmatas, yeah, 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 by uh, Josephine McCarthy. Um, well, Quarea, because you name it, Quarea is one to me one of the most interesting of those new schools. I had Josephine also. Uh, on the show quite quite some time back already. Quarea is, I think, four years old or so. And Quarea is something I even use personally uh, because uh, you just mentioned that what has... Uh, Quarea has not changed my life, but it has given me approaches to things uh, in a new way, especially because she talks a lot about being grounded in the place where you are or also in the time where you are. At the time I was living in a place where the, the Swedes actually, uh, Karl, in the 30 years war had fought the Austrians in that very place where I lived. And there were certainly a lot of dead people underneath, <laughs> uh, underneath my house. And actually my wife and I, we had problems with that. We moved away from it. And Quarea made me aware of what it was. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking. This is really something that's really touched my life there. Um, and uh, so, yes, other schools, well, there are. Um, of course, I am personally more informed about those that go into classical um, ritual and, and ceremonial magic, as I said, because that's my personal field or hermeticism. Well, Franz Barden is not something new, but uh, Emil Steiner, who is a good friend of mine, who I think many people out there know because he on his books have now been translated finally into English. I wasn't completely stra strange, stranger to that. Um, um, he is also somebody uh, who, if you're interested in new in new things, and even Barden himself is not that very well known out of my closer area here. Um, I think those, there are schools and schools develop with the time when they are needed. I'm convinced of that. And the Golden Dawn of the 1880s is not the same as the Golden Dawn of the 21st century, even though many of the rituals and, and approaches are similar, but it's, 
it's like in music. I have to once again take my classical music approach. You have the composer who wrote the work, but you have the interpreter who plays the work and today. So, and in each century, the same music will be performed in a different way. The same is true in magic. We have the same basic structure, the same basic thought, the same basic correspondences, etc. But the way we apply them changes because we as a human being are different, even each individual, of course, but also as a, as an egregore of the 21st century, let's use that word. Mm, absolutely. And on that note, maybe we should make it a musical note and uh, <laughs> I wonder what kind of music we should listen to now. Ah, okay. Well, I, I chose the music who, who wonders and, um, the, the, I, I, now the, 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 the break music is from an opera. I apologize to those who hate opera, but I think there are quite a few who actually like opera music. Yes. And I think, uh, you're going to like this. It's from Die Tote Stadt, an opera by an Austrian composer, Eric Wolfgang Kolkat, who wrote, believe that, that music at age 18. Um, you're going to be surprised when you hear that. And, um, it's a famous piece. It's the final of that opera, The Dead City, actually a very esoteric, esoteric work in a way. And um, it's actually from a performance that I created in my former life 20 years ago. I was the artistic mm. director of the opera house there where we performed that. And I just love that piece of music and the way the guy Torsten Kell is singing that is just amazing. So it's from a live performance. So you'll hear the applause at the end. Beautiful. Let's listen to it. Okay.
Oops, oops, oops. Great. <laughs> Maybe once is enough. <laughs> anyway, beautiful piece, and, and it looked really good, so kudos to you for that. Thank um, you. And I was thinking about if we leave sort of the cold statistics of, you know, number of listeners and, and uh, partakers and, and talk about feedback. What kind of feedback do you usually get from the episodes? Well, I get regular feedback. That's the first thing to say. So that's, that, that's very nice and I think a, a very good sign, right? Um, what I'm going to say something horrible now. Uh, I don't like Facebook and Twitter at all, right? In general, in general, because I think, well, yes, let, let me not say what I think. But I'm highly, highly surprised, really. And I'm not trying to be nice to people. I have in five and a half, half years, hardly had any stupid, I mean, really stupid uh, remarks or, you know, just the usual Facebook thing, hardly anything. So the community that, that is out there on Facebook and Twitter uh, around Totermis, but probably also around the whole esoteric occult world, they really use those social media in a in a way to communicate to be together and that gives me a lot of very nice feedback actually there i mean nice feedback is not only positive feedback nice feedback can also be a criticism that is helpful or uh, ideas that you need or, or stuff like that um, that's nice feedback to me uh, and and there is yeah I, I think about 10 to 20 messages for each episode i would get on different channels, also by email or, or whatever. So that's, and that's work, but that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that is absolutely good. Yeah. Um, but uh, how do you think that the, the uh, podcast could develop? Or do you want to keep the same formula or do you want to integrate other things? Or? Oh, now you're touching a very, very, very interesting question because, well, I have, I have no idea what to say to that. Um, first of all, it's interesting when I see the five and uh, half years, the ha things have changed sometimes. I've tried a few things. Um, for example, I was very surprised the hundreds episode I did on video. And this today is the second one on video, right? Um, but that didn't change my audience at all. I had expected there is another extra uh, audience that might be added because people like to see it. No. It had no effect whatsoever, not even on the YouTube channel where the only video version was available. And the Ex Libris thing I did, I thought it would be a good idea. But funny enough, people didn't like that format as much as the... And it was much more work because it was four interviews you had to put together and blah, blah, blah. So um, I gave that up again. So you see, I try to change things. And I have a few ideas in my mind. I, I'm honest... Uh, Trying this live format here today is one of the trials. I'm not saying this is going to happen in the next months, but I'm trying it out and see how I feel with it, how my audience feels with it. That might be an option. Um, but I'm very careful about developing. I would love to do features. I'd love to do features on, on, on certain topics where, which is more like a documentary almost, you know, um, so that maybe adding to the library in a, in a new and, and interesting way. Um, but I'm, I'm, uh, very, very careful because as long as people 
like the format as we have here. We have to be careful in adapting it. But, and I'm also, I mean, people are listening to this here now and also uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the podcast from tomorrow on. Um, do let me know if you have format ideas that you would like to see and I'll see what I can do about it. Mm. Yeah, one thing I, that came to mind now is maybe some kind of round table talk yes. on a specific yes. theme. Absolutely, more, that was, that was also something I have already thought about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the technical, I mean, I had to learn the technology as well. You know, I feel nowadays much more secure about doing a roundtable than I would have felt two years ago, three years ago, because it's technically much more complicated, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but um, things have, I have learned and the technology has become easier. So, um, and am I telling you a secret that Many of our colleague ecologists are not really tech freaks. It sometimes takes me 15 minutes to make an interview start be before we have all set up the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that, um, you know, uh, there's so many different kinds of variations of technological themes yes. or, or platforms that are basically, they, they carry the same you know, potential Absolutely. Just learning the one that has the best interface. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure there are many. I was thinking, uh, what kind of beneficial positive aspects do you want the podcast to have for people? Well, I hope that they discover things. I hope that they find out, uh, more in-depth information about the things they already practice or know or have interest in, but especially, and that I think is, is what I, I like to, I like most when it happens that somebody discovers a new field. Uh, and um, it goes also the other way around. For example, a very recent interview I had um, on, on um, non-dual shamanism. I mean, as I said, shamanism, I know quite well because it was at my beginnings. Um, non-dual shamanism sounds like a contradiction per se. So an, somebody from the audience suggested that book and that author to me, and I read the book. So again, something that added to my knowledge, not that I will practice that now because uh, it, it may be not exactly what I am looking for, but I have had a feedback from quite a few people who said, oh, we didn't know that. And we've now started working. it. So I think that's, that's, um, one of the aims that people discover things that, but not only that they use it, but that they just get curious about it, that they find out there's so much out there and it all goes into our same work. We all work for the same, well, almost all work for the same development of humanity, of the planet, of, and if we are bardonists or if we work uh, a serious left-hand path or, or whatever, if we do it with involvement and we do it with intention, then it's, it's good. And to, to strengthen that curiosity, that, that, that intention, that's one of the aims, I think. Mm. When, when you're young, I mean, that can go on and the, when you're a grown up too, you're usually a kind of an intuitive uh, amateur in the French sense of the word. You love what you're studying yes. and it inspires you. Uh, and then you grow up and you, you uh, some of us become, you know, professionals in the field of uh, relaying information of an esoteric nature in a way. And then you also get swamped with information coming in and it becomes a mm -hmm. professional thing. Uh, so I'm wondering, uh, 
for instance, do you have time uh, or energy enough to uh, get all the information that you're offered? I mean, thinking of books from publishers, for instance, who want to pitch uh, good ideas to you for, for interviews, for instance. I hope I do. I mean, I, I, I spend a lot of time with it and not because I'm a nerd alone. Maybe, maybe I'm also a nerd, but, but, um, um, it's just because it's, it's, it interests me. And, uh, I mean, I have three grown up children. They don't need me anymore. They are spread across the world. And my wife is very supporting of, of what I do here. So that gives me, uh, time and leisure also to do it. And yes, um, I'm not saying I read every book I get. I, I'm a good cross reader. Uh, and when something interests me, then I take it again and, and read it in depth. Um, but also that 40 years of, of artistic direction taught me how to cross read and how to develop a sense of finding out what can be interesting and what also, you know, there, there might be really interesting books and good books, but an interview won't won't help it because it, it cannot be transmitted with this media uh, that exists. You have to distinguish between what can be said in a podcast and will work. Uh, there might be interesting things that cannot be uh, passed on in that, in that medium. Um, but yeah, I think I spend several hours per day in in the field, uh, so to speak. And of course, that gives you a broad overview on things. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned early on um, things that you sort of passed through in terms of teachings, like, you know, the shamanism and, mm -hmm. and um, Freemasonry and, and other things. Uh, but I'm curious if we return to that, how would you define yourself spiritually? Is it easy to answer or are you as eclectic as the podcast? I hope I'm not as eclectic as the podcast because that would be, that would be difficult. Um, but I'm rather eclectic. Um, once again, I, maybe I, I can say what, what I found out about myself now here because we mentioned the music thing earlier. Um, I only found out about 10 years ago or so that my talent for finding, how shall I say that? Um, I think I have a talent to, 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 to discover voices, to, to work with them in a way that I find the right roles for them, um, to, to also discover pieces and not like I do in the podcast, but to find out the, the, the little gem that needs to be polished, right? To, to find out that's a talent I have. And that's a talent which now I know, but I only found out about 10 years ago, has always been there, which is, which I nowadays relate to occultist and magical work. Um, I always was puzzled when I was sitting in a rehearsal and didn't do anything, just watching it and, 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 and seeing how it went, how tired I was afterwards, how worn out I was because I passed on so much energy, uh, to those people on stage and that helped it get together. That might sound very weird for some people who are not in that business, but I'm convinced that that's what happened. And I only found out much later that this probably is related to my um, esoteric occult work because I create that energy. And of course, the arts and magic, they are related. Both are 
to cite Alistair Crowley once again, the art and uh, and the science to change to change the world with your with your thinking and with your with your work, and that's exactly what happens in on on the stage, for example, when you when you when you think a special way. So um, uh, yeah, I think I think so. Now I've lost I've lost track of what I wanted to say. I was uh, <laughs> I was in the music so much there, so now I've lost in that. Um, yeah, but I, th I think it's it's um, uh, they are the same basically. Yes. One is slightly more compartmentalized because of our culture and the way our lives are uh, structured. Yes. So we keep that you know our little esoteric interest. But if that can spill over into the um, whatever we do for sustenance and in work and in social surroundings, uh, it it can be really really powerful. And of Absolutely. course, vice versa is true too. But you need also a much uh, a strong convincing of yourself to do that. When I started the podcast, people might remember that I still had my Facebook page under the name of Nazi Seoton and not Rudolf Berger, because I was just about to get out of the theater world and become in come into that other field of work that I do now. And uh, I did not at the time, maybe it would be different today, but want people in my artistic world to know that I do an esoteric podcast. I wasn't ready for that. Uh, so I have changed, but it's also because that world is still very conservative as, as, as strange as it sounds. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have a relevant question here from, from mm -hmm. uh, the audience. Um, CWH writes, what is the importance of the space between exoteric and esoteric world? What is your perspective on balance from your traditions? The balance between exoteric and esoteric. Mm. Well, I think to me, at least, uh, I can only give that answer in, very, in a very personal way. Um, those two worlds are completely interwoven. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to separate them. Um, because what, what I always hate is that difference that is being made between science and, or natural science and, and spiritual world. And I say spiritual here, uh, on purpose because for me, the occult world is included in the spiritual world. And, um, um, we both fight for the same thing, science. Uh, and um, the time of enlightenment are fighting against a loss of knowledge ag against another power that fights against that knowledge, right? And Hermeticism in the seventh century was banned by the church at the time for the same reason, for uh, because they had a knowledge, a spiritual knowledge that was opposed to 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 the church at the time, and. Um, we fight for freedom of thinking and liberty, both on the exoteric and on the esoteric worlds. And that's why they need to be interwoven for me. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that it can only be helped if we do it together, even if you do not believe in the esoteric world, but do not fight against it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say that the, the podcast uh, or your work in general has an overarching a message or philosophy <laughs> is that up to me to 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 find out i don't know <laughs> um, 
well get to know things maybe that that that's that that's what i would say i mean even its name thoth hermes um of course it's on purpose that i use both those names the the, the greek and the egyptian because i don't think limiting it to one background um is good i also I limit it to the Western tradition because I have the impression I have to feeling, um, I have the feeling that, uh, that you can't do everything, and I'm much more worst in the in the in the Western tradition, and I take it with Rudolf Steiner, who, as I said, was one of my early influences. When I said I have to know my my tradition first before I can work in a tradition which is not mine and that's why i want to know my western traditions which but if you look through the the roster of the episodes there were also uh, of course moments when we went across that border and talked about both sides uh, if there are both sides if they're not the same the, the same two faces of the same coin actually mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Derrickson uh, writes, I don't know if I can ask a question here. Yes, you can. Uh, but which guest or program had the largest impact on you? Who? That's a tricky one. I'm 139 will be uh, <laughs> disappointed. Um, I, I think I have mentioned her already. Um, Dolores Ashcroft Novitsky. Um, because, she, well, probably she's the doyen to me she's kind you like you like that style of edward butler and her work or not right but the way she talks about it she was 92 when we did the interview she's still she's still working the same in the, with the same strength as she's now 96 i believe um uh, or 95 but she was 92 when we did the interview she sounds like a 25 year old she she was so amazing and what she told me there and I mean, she was really impressive. I, I think she had, and it was also at the early stage of, of, of my work in the podcast. So uh, uh, it was even more impressive at that moment to me, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can I maybe just uh, quickly reply to two or three of those questions? Yes, of because, course. Yeah. Um, a, no, I did not do anything on the langua- langage des oiseaux yet, language of the birds, because somebody, CWH, has asked us that, but it's a good idea, and it is certainly on my list, but I haven't done yet. So, um, um, Richard, Judy Richard, who is a really very nice guy writing to me often, that like gives me a lot of feedback and is a supporter of the show. Thank you, Richard. He asked about to bring on some real Franz Barden expert. You're right, Richard. Um, have you listened to Ron Clark? I believe he is a real expert on that recently. But um, he's certainly not going to be the last Franz Barden expert on the show. You're absolutely right. And then the question by Phil about Walter Honeygraf. Um, um, yes, um, I have had several academician, academician, now I speak French, academic uh, um, people on the show. And um, I have not asked Walter, you're right, but we had we had also Carol Cossack recently, we had Chris Judice, uh, we had, um, help me, uh, Carl, he's from Göteborg, Henrik Bogdan. Henrik Bogdan, yeah. Exactly. So we've had, and it's really interesting to have those people because they have a, it's very interesting how the approach of the academia Towards occultism, and Carl is a specialist on that question, um, has changed over the over the years. So, 
yeah, sorry to intervene, but I just thought I should ask those, uh, answer those, those questions. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, people are interesting, you know, they're, they're interesting, whether they come specifically from an academic point of view or if they're, you know, devout practitioners. Practitioners. Yeah. And I think this is also an interesting field because it's very much what I call a colorful gray area. Because <laughs> if you do a bit of detective work, you can find that many of the high ranking academics have esoteric backgrounds. You know, because why else would yeah. you study it? You know? Exactly. Some of them would, would, some of them would um, admit it, others wouldn't. Um, yes. But it was very funny that uh, Richard Kaczynski, I believe it was, but he is not one of those, but he, he, we were talking, discussing the question, right? And he said something very funny. Would you, uh, would you not want a Catholic priest to study theology? You know, so why would you not the practicing occultist have studied the occult, the occult called academia so yeah. yes i i'm absolutely with him on that but well i think Walter hanegraaf would have something to say about that and uh, mm. uh, his opinion on that absolutely yeah. i'm thinking if we we uh, just toy with the idea that magic works right yes uh, and 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 uh, that means that we can upheave space we can upheave time we can travel freely and unhampered uh, you as being a podcast producer and a search, you know, a researcher, and you're looking for gnosis. Uh, if all these things could be upheaved and you could travel in time and space, who would be your absolute dream guest for the podcast? Ooh, only one. Only one, Rudolf. Only one. Oh my god. <laughs> no, sorry. Let's make it three then. Okay, thank you. Um, and again, uh, you might be surprised because there might be three different approaches yeah. um now i wasn't prepared for that question i wasn't prepared for any of those questions people might think that we prepared this <laughs> podcast but um i said to carl do you need any information before and no and i said okay i shut up now he'll gonna do that like that <laughs> so i've not been prepared to that question um well alistair crowley would be one of them certainly mm -hmm. because um i'm Personally, people think know that a bit, a bit skeptical about about him, right? Uh, I'm, but I would love to interview him because I would like to find out myself uh, if I'm right or if I'm wrong, and I would probably be wrong. Um, and, and on the other hand, um, in the same in the same time field, I think Mathers would be somebody I'd like to talk to. Um, because of course the origin of the golden dawn and the very also doubtful parts of the origin of the golden dawn and what happened afterwards, um, when he left for Paris and Florence Farr took over. So that's a fascinating story. I'd like to know more about firsthand, right? Also for the audience, I think would be interesting. And John Dee for it, funny enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John, John Dee would certainly be the not in order, but the third person, if I have only three choices. Right. And I think for, for D specifically, it would be very weird to be on a podcast. Um, he, can't, <laughs> he can't relate. <laughs> Crowley could relate to radio and TV. Uh, no, radio and movies. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've produced a lot of stuff. Five years have passed and, and, and more. Uh, and you say that the list is still, it's not... Uh, inexhaustible there are still people to talk to oh, yeah. uh, what happens now though like in the immediate future 
there's a new season coming up, right? There's a new season coming up. Yes. Well, um, it's building. It's not, I mean, I said Stefan Harding is going to be on the show. That's for sure already. Um, we just get a message in about, yes, thank you. You were also mentioning Joe Vegas to me at some point. Joe Vegas, I wanted to do an interview in July, but the book is not ready to come out yet. So, and you know, publishers don't like when you talk about the book three months before it's, it's printed. Uh, so Joe is definitely coming in this Joe Vegas is coming in this coming season, um, but I can tell you exactly when. Helen van Arts is coming with her new book also uh, very soon. Um, so somebody who is writing under the, under the name um, uh, uh, Steve D. He's not called D, but that's a pseudonym. It's not John D. I'm interviewing with Steve D. Um, about Zen and the Western esoteric tradition. That's an interesting one. Um, so just a few names to, to, I don't want to give away too much, Carla, but, um, that's our, the immediate next ones, but Joe, maybe still in November or December, but, um, and I believe Carl Abramson is back in February, if I'm not wrong. That's when his new book is due. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I have you on the, I have you on the list. I have a little list here actually of, of books that I, I always have that list with me here. Oops. Mm -hmm. Just very briefly. Um, so, uh, and most of the people on that list and with the dates of the new books um, are, are planned for the near future. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Rudolf. Is there anything that you would like to add in this very, very special episode? Oh, uh, even that question was not planned. <laughs> uh, um, no, really, I mean, uh, I said that already earlier, but maybe it's, you can never say that uh, enough. I think it's really, I'm very happy that I made that decision uh, five or now seven and a half years back because it took me some time, as I said, to, to realize it that I took the decision to, to make that happen. And people who have followed the show uh, throughout, they realize also at some point I had about an eight months or so break in between. Um, when you do things like that, I don't know about you, Carl, you're a podcaster and publisher yourself. Sometimes, um, sometimes I, you have doubts, doubtful moments and say, is it, is it worth it? And there's a question coming in now um, that exactly goes to that point. If you give me the moments to answer that Absolutely. question. It came um, from the astral plane. Exactly. And I know who, who, I know the initials and she's really writing from the astral planes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we get a message saying your recent amalgamation and the creation of Kaikobad radio was so rich and varied. Can you speak about the future of it and the practicalities of maintaining it? Carl, you are also part of that content of that project. I yep. don't know how many of the listeners here have actually realized that Kalkobot Radio existed. And that might even be one of the of the of the problems. Um, Kalkobot Radio, I started it about four months ago, I believe. And um, it's a 24-7, it was a 24-7 internet radio with content from again, 25 different content providers like Carl Abramson, like Glitch Bottle, for example, Occult of Personality, um, the Theosophical Society in America, um, just name a few, um, uh, 25 um, providers of content, uh, a golden cauldron, as, as our guest here says. And um, 
the problem is it, it's work, it's time, it's money. Um, that's fine as long as the, as the, the, the result works, right? But then you have only 40 or 50 people a week. Um, then you, the three hours you pass every week is becoming a bit uh, too much and also the money you put into it. So what would be needed? Um, I think it would be needed to, to, I'm not good. Well, I'm not really good at social media public publicity because I don't like to do it. That's the whole thing. I like producing content on the podcast, on the radio. Uh, I like selecting topics and, and doing things. I can pass hours on that. I hate writing a message on Facebook and say, hey, look, we are doing an interview next week. Um, I just don't like it. So if anybody listens out there and says, hey, um, I'll do that for you, I might consider to, to re to, to bring Kagobak Radio, who stopped yesterday, actually, um, um, to bring Kagobak Radio on again. Um, and maybe this is also the occasion to thank one person, because my friend Ursula here from Salzburg, Austria, she has been writing the newsletters and the, and the web page articles on, on the, on the, um, on the show notes for the last two years for me. And that's an enormous amount of work she took off me. And I want to thank her also, really, because it's it's a lot of work, and it and it makes it so much easier for me. But something like that would be needed uh, to to revive Kalkubad Radio. Somebody who would do the basically the not yeah the social media work. I think that's the that's the, that's the word to use. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Carl. But I think no, that's I think the, absolutely uh, yeah. that that's the correct one. And and yeah. uh, you know, for what it's worth, it's it's uh, just a necessary part of the oh yeah, sure. that is online culture. Absolutely. And, and uh, I hope you find a good person who can bring Kakabot Radio back. That would be yeah. very very nice. Uh, but I certainly understand your uh, your your feelings towards it because you yeah. know uh, there's a limit to all kinds of altruism. And, Absolutely, and I think Absolutely. you you reached one. Uh, but uh, I want maybe to it'll keep, come back. I want to keep Thermos at the level it is and not yeah. drop in in quality because I do another thing. Uh, uh, so Thermos is my main focus, and that's where that's where I put the quality and energy first. And uh, I also need to read those books, as you said, right? I need to read those books, research, who will I bring on? That takes time. It's not just doing the interviews. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think we could um, sum up by saying you've done a sure. great job and it's very inspiring to, to uh, take part of like old episodes. There's still so many that I haven't listened to yet. So, so it's a treasure trove and I think you're doing the right thing. Just keep up the good work and, and, um, uh, produce new episodes and then what happens with Kaikobad will show itself. I, th I exactly. think uh, it can, these things can become little beasts and as long when it's no fun anymore, then it's time to reconsider. Uh, but I think you're having great fun with, uh, with uh, Thought Hermes, the podcast. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Kaikobad is not dead, it's just sleeping. This sleeping exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's in hibernation. Exactly. So, and I think uh, perhaps it's uh, suitable if we end with a beautiful piece of music, yes. the old uh, Bob Dylan song, uh, uh, "Make You Feel My Love." And in this version, it's a young singer called Emily Linge. Thank you to the uh, audience. Thank you, Rudolf, and we'll see you again soon.
Thank you. Thank you, Carl, for having me. Thank you for being with us. First of all, yes, that was Emily Linge, 
who sang beautifully, beautifully that cover of Bob Dylan and Adele, as we announced it in the show. And um, I think uh, she does an extraordinary job. Go and check her out on YouTube. Emily Linge has a great channel with lots of beautiful covers. And you see over the last two or three years since she does that, how she beautifully developed. Okay, so and thanks to everyone who listened to this show, who listened to me today, uh, something odd for me a little bit, but and thanks to the great help and support of Carl Abrahamson. I really enjoyed that greatly, and I hope you as an audience did as well. Um, it was also fun to do that live for the first time, and now as a regular show to end that season eight. And, uh, well, now you're waiting for next week's announcement, of course. Well, nothing next week. You know, between two seasons, there is always a short break, one week break. So no new show next Sunday. But in two weeks, on September the 4th, it's already September. It's amazing. The summer has gone by so quickly this year. September the 4th, we will open season one and... I will not let you know today who will be the season opener. You will check it out a few days before we start the new season on the very last days of August, very first days of September. You'll check out who will be my guest in season nine, episode one on September the 4th. And for the time being, thanks for your fidelity, for your support. Become a supporter if you have not yet chosen to do so. And uh, thanks again for being with me and with us here today. And it was great to have you. Take care. Stay tuned. Hear you soon. <laughs>